You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. This case takes us to Anchorage, Alaska, in the United States of America, back to the summer of 2019. Anchorage is a busy city, home to nearly half of the Alaskan population. There's plenty to do there, with gorgeous hiking routes, peaceful countrysides, lots of wildlife, and ski resorts. It's the perfect place for as quiet or busy a getaway as you could want. Amongst the almost 300,000 people that called this place home live the very big and very close Hoffman family who all live together in an East Anchorage trailer. On the 2nd of June, Timothy Hoffman had started to grow concerned about his daughter, Cynthia. She had not replied to any messages or answered any calls for several hours. Although she was 19, Cynthia faced developmental and learning challenges, meaning she worked at a 7th grade level. Her being out of contact for even just a short while was alarming, and Timothy knew something was wrong. On the first weekend of June 2019, the Hoffman family spent some time working on a friend's campervan together. On the 2nd of June, Cynthia made plans to meet up with her sister and get her part of the money she had earned. She sent a text message to her father to say that she was on the way, but she never met her sister that afternoon. Her father called the police, but was told he needed to wait 24 hours and then ring them back. Timothy was upset that they weren't taking it as seriously as they should have been, and said that they didn't understand how vulnerable Cynthia actually was. For someone still so young, she was definitely busy and very determined. As tough as school had been for her, Cynthia had persevered and graduated in 2018. As well as working as an apprentice for Timothy, who worked in building and construction, she was earning extra money at a restaurant, studying in a post-high school skills programme, and was close to getting her driver's permit as well. Timothy and Cynthia shared an incredibly close bond, and he said she was most definitely a daddy's girl. He recalled that she was always working hard to overcome her challenges, and looking to make her family proud of her with everything that she did. All she wanted was my blessing and approval, and I gave that to her a lot, he said. Frustrated with the police department, Timothy started contacting news stations and set off on his motorbike, going through the nearby woods and bike paths, searching everywhere. When she didn't come home the first day, I knew something was wrong, and then all I could think about was the knock on the door, he said. He had many people reaching out to see if they could help, and he gladly accepted them all. But one set of messages in particular left him more confused than grateful. He had received several messages from one of Cynthia's closest friends, Angela. Angela said that Cynthia had asked her to drop her off at Polar Bear Park, something that she had agreed to do, but she hadn't seen her since then. She said she had last seen her at 4pm on the 2nd of June, wearing blue jeans, a hoodie and tennis shoes. Timothy knew this was strange as Cynthia didn't mention this to him or her sister that she was going to meet. In Angela's messages she said, Is she okay? I hope she comes home safely, she's my best friend. I'm starting to get worried. I don't trust what she said about that guy. 
I love her too, I want the best for her and want her to come back. She won't answer me. I think she's ignoring everyone. I know she will come home safe. Timothy had no idea what guy Angela was talking about and even though he pushed for clarification, he was none the wiser. The police were now looking into Cynthia's disappearance and Timothy passed these messages on to them in the hope it might help them find some answers. In the Hoffman family, the kids check in often and on time. In this family, you all have bones. When dad calls, you answer. I don't care if you're in a church and the holy pastor's preaching. I don't care if you're at school taking the high school diploma test. If dad calls, you answer. I floored it all over town doing speed limits that I shouldn't have been doing. Looking for my kid. One of the last people to see Cynthia was her friend Angela, who told Cynthia's father she dropped her off here at a nearby park. Little did he know, the number was not linked to an Angela. It was linked to an 18-year-old named Denali Bremer. Denali and Cynthia were actually close friends and had met through school. They often posed in selfies together on social media, with the captions reading BFF. So why she had given a different name was confusing. Just one day later, on the evening of June the 3rd, the Anchorage Police Department were contacted by a woman named Nicole. Nicole said that on the evening of the 2nd of June, the date Cynthia was last seen, Nicole's daughter and someone Nicole knew as Anthony were both at her house. Shockingly, Anthony had told her that Cynthia was dead and that he was responsible, and her daughter was none other than Denali Bremer, who also apparently went by Angela. After this, the pair left the house, and she hadn't seen them since. Given what Anthony had said, she was now concerned for her daughter's safety as well. Police located the pair and started digging into these claims. The 4th of June, early evening. The knock Timothy had been painfully anticipating came at the door. The minute he saw the officers, he said, She's dead, isn't she? Detectives confirmed that they had just found his daughter's body. Cynthia had been discovered along the Aklutna riverbank. She was bound with duct tape and she had been shot in the back of the head before being pushed into the river. Officers believed that she had been killed before Timothy had even reported her as missing and it is unconfirmed whether or not the shot killed her instantly or if she was still alive when she was put into the water. Mike and Alexis, police found the body of 19-year-old Cynthia Hoffman last night near Thunderbird Falls. She was bound, shot, and placed in a river. So for her to not call was a big red flag that something terrible had happened because she would have called. Tim and I were talking, and he says, I know I know something bad is happening. She's dead. He could feel it in his bones. It's just such a waste of a life. I don't... She's a kid. Cynthia's body was located Tuesday evening in the river near Thunderbird Falls. We're still investigating to find out exactly why she was bound and, uh, and then why she ultimately was shot. The only thing I can imagine is she was yelling her daddy's name. And it goes through my head over and over and over again. It was impossible for the Hoffmans to contemplate who on earth would want to do this to Cynthia. 
She never spoke of having any problems with anyone. She had lots of friends and was so loved by those around her. Before long, a web of lies would start to unravel, showing the twisted and disturbing reality of what had happened and why. And given what Denali's mother Nicole had told the police, officers were only looking at Denali and Anthony for answers. Anthony was actually a 16-year-old called Caden McIntosh, a teen living on the streets at the time. On the 5th of June, Caden McIntosh was arrested, and two days later, so was Denali Bremer. The pair were initially quiet, and Denali was even granted bail, but after her phone was looked at, she was pulled back in, and the pair would soon start to talk. It quickly became apparent that Denali had attempted to delete threads of messages, which fortunately could be easily recovered. She had been texting someone called Tyler, a man she had started an online relationship with, and the conversations between the pair were extremely dark. Tyler told her he was very wealthy and lived in Kansas, almost 4,000 miles away. The police found child pornography on Denali's phone as well, and a string of explicit images of children that Denali had sent to Tyler for his approval. The more the pair spoke the more disturbing things became. Tyler soon told Denali to sexually assault an eight-year-old and send him videos of it. After this, he wanted her to assault a 14-year-old as well. The text threads between the pair were graphic. One message from Tyler read, So are you going to the 14-year-old? Gonna go buy weed first, Denali replied. I want to get her high for it so she doesn't fight me. I love you. Soon we can rape together. After these assaults, Tyler texted Denali and told her he wanted to see more. He wanted her to rape and murder someone. In exchange, he said that he would pay her $9 million. Denali then set about recruiting people to help her and get the plan in motion. She finally told police that she and Caden had picked Cynthia up and drove out about 20 miles away from her home using a car owned by another teenager that she had promised $500,000 of the alleged money to a 19-year-old called Caleb Leland. This gave police a fourth name to look at, but little did they know, this would soon become more. Denali said that she, Caden and Cynthia all drove around smoking marijuana together, something Timothy said he didn't see his daughter doing at all and was likely pressured into doing in the first place, if it was even true. After this, they drove out to a parking lot near the Thunderbird Falls Trail with the intention of going on a hike. But instead of following the trail, they abandoned it and followed another path that ran alongside the Eklutna River. They all walked along until they found an isolated clearing. Donardi claimed that the three of them agreed to duct tape each other and take photographs as part of a joke or prank. In the clearing, Cynthia was bound by her ankles and wrists and had tape put over her mouth. Cynthia soon realised this was not a joke and started to panic. She started shouting that she was going to call the police. Denali held a gun to her head, which she eventually let Caden take off her. Caden then shot Cynthia in the back of the head. In Caden's interview, he admitted to duct-taping Cynthia and said that he had blacked out, but remembered shooting her and pushing her into the river. As much as Denali was trying to distance herself, she had been documenting the whole ordeal on her phone sending photographs and videos to Tyler via Snapchat, showing that she was someone who was very much involved. 
Although Tyler said he wanted to see a rape as well as a murder, there was no evidence to suggest that Cynthia had been sexually assaulted. To the police, Denali spoke of being afraid of Caden, implying she was following his suit, as well as being tricked by Tyler. However, Denali had not only brought and held the loaded gun, she photographed and filmed the entire thing, and had engaged in numerous conversations with Tyler about all kinds of horrifying things up until that point. Police felt confident that Tyler and Denali were ringleaders together. After Cynthia had been pushed into the river, Denali and Caden then went back to the car and made a pact to contact Cynthia's family to say that she had been dropped off at the park. After this, they set about burning and disposing of Cynthia's purse, clothes and ID in Lyons Park in northeast Anchorage. They even attempted to burn the gun. Denali later texted Tyler and said... I wish I never made a deal with you in the first place. We can meet, but once I see a cop, I'm telling him or her that I made you rape people and kill Cece. But as the police already suspected, Tyler wasn't who he claimed he was either. The man behind the screen was actually 21-year-old Darren Schillmiller. He wasn't a millionaire, and he wasn't living in Kansas. He lived in New Salisbury, Indiana. When he was tracked down and questioned, he confessed to everything, including convincing Denali that he was a millionaire and that he would pay her to assault and kill Cynthia. He also admitted that he and Denali had discussed murdering someone else after Cynthia was dead. Those that knew Darren Schillmiller, or Tyler, said his dark thoughts had always been obvious. When he was a teenager, he had started asking very young girls to send him explicit photographs often making up fake profiles and going by fake names online as well. People described him as off and creepy. As he got older, he started asking people to send him photos of their children, sometimes while they were being changed or bathed. He also had a fetish for dirty diapers and often wanted to see photographs of those too. He had previously been the subject of a child pornography investigation, but no charges were filed and the case collapsed. When he told Denali he wanted her to find someone to kill, she made the choice quickly. She chose Cynthia because she was her closest friend. She thought it would be easier to use the trust that Cynthia had for her to lure her away without her questioning it. Timothy said, Her disability just made her want to have friends. That's all she wanted, was just to be her friend. Detectives subpoenaed Verizon for Darren's phone data and all the footage of the miners Denali had hurt up until that point were found, along with more evidence that highlighted Darren's sick perversions. The investigation led the FBI to a house here in Harrison County. Neighbors say they're shocked, and that this just goes to show you never know what's going on behind closed doors. In a quiet neighborhood, hearing someone being arrested by the FBI and what they was arrested for is appalling. This is the house on Rooster Church Road in New Salisbury, where federal investigators say Darren Schillmiller was living. Investigators say he made a fake profile online and started an online relationship with 18-year-old Denali Bremer in Alaska. Investigators say Schillmiller offered to pay her at least $9 million to kill someone and send him pictures and videos of the crime. As a mother, it scares me to think someone was living down the road with those kind of intentions. It gives me chills up my spine. That's that's scary. 
People who live in this quiet Harrison County neighborhood say if the accusations are true, they're glad Shill Miller is in custody. It's shocking of how how far someone can reach another person just over the internet. They also uncovered a Snapchat video that Denali had uploaded after Cynthia had been killed, in which she said, I just want to thank everyone that's been there for me my whole life and these past few years and everything. I fucked up. I know I did. If I could take back what I've done, I can't. I'm sorry, everybody, my family, my friends. I guess you will hear from me when you hear from me, but I won't be back for a long time. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. In the background of the video, Caden could be seen pacing around as well. A grand jury would soon indict six individuals in Cynthia Hoffman's case. Darren Schillmiller, Denali Bremer, Caden McIntosh, Caleb Leyland, who had given them the car, and two other teens who have not been named due to their ages. They were all indicted on charges of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and murder in the second degree. A teenager in Anchorage, Alaska, has been charged with killing her best friend. Police say the murder plot began online with a promise of a multi-million dollar payday. In court, 18-year-old Denali Bremer showed no emotion as she appeared to admit her role in an elaborate plot to murder her friend, Cynthia Hoffman. Accused of the unthinkable, 18-year-old Denali Bremer, 16-year-old Caden McIntosh, and 19-year-old Caleb Leland appear in state court for their alleged roles in the murder of 19-year-old Cynthia Hoffman. I know what I did was wrong, and I know I could have probably done something different. Investigators say it all began with a bizarre online catfishing scheme hatched by 21-year-old Darren Schillmiller, thousands of miles away in Indiana. Police say Bremer offered to pay some of the money to four other teens to help her plan and carry out the killing. I am going to seek justice. And I am going to follow this through the full extent of the law. And I will be here every time she is. And I will not let it go. Police found Hoffman's body a day later, and the scheme began to unravel, leading them to Bremer, McIntosh, and the other teens involved. Bremer's phone records revealed Schillmiller in Indiana. Authorities say their arrest should be a warning. If you're planning to conduct a crime in Alaska and you think you're safe because you're that far away, you're not. 16-year-old Caden was charged as an adult, and as well as murder, he also faced four counts of tampering with evidence. The two juveniles, a male and a female, admitted to knowing about and being present for the planning of the murder in exchange for a cut of the money. Caleb was also accused of sexually assaulting the female juvenile suspect and faces additional charges of sexual assault and sexual abuse of a minor, as well as murder charges. Darren and Denali were indicted on more counts of solicitation to commit murder in the first degree and then faced further charges of production of child pornography, conspiracy to produce child pornography, distribution of child pornography and the coercion and enticement of a minor. We're here to announce the filing of significant federal and state indictments. Uh, I'll talk about the federal indictment, which is U.S. versus Darren Schillmiller and U.S. versus Denali Bremer. Schillmiller and Bremer were indicted this week by a federal grand jury for one count of conspiracy to produce child pornography, one count of production of child pornography, two counts of receipt and distribution of child pornography, 
the receipt uh, charge is against Schillmiller, the uh, production charge is against Bremer, and one count of coercion and enticement of a minor, which is uh, Mr. Schillmiller only. The charges stem uh, from the circumstances that came to uh, light after the shooting of Cynthia Hoffman in earlier this month in June 2019. Now, the charge of conspiracy to produce child pornography carries a, max, carries a sentence of 15 to 30 years imprisonment. The charge of production of child pornography carries a uh, maximum sentence of 15 to 30 years imprisonment. The charge of distribution and receipt of child pornography carries a sentence of 5 to 20 years imprisonment. And finally, the charge of coercion and enticement of a minor carries a maximum sentence of, or sentence of 10 years to life. And when I give those lower sentences, those are all mandatory minimums for the federal charges. Well, an Indiana man accused in a murder conspiracy case has pleaded not guilty. 21-year-old Darren All six Schilmiller individuals entered pleas of not guilty. Denali addressed the court and even spoke of having a child herself, something which had not been mentioned before this point. She said, I don't want my daughter knowing that her mom grew up a killer because I don't see myself as one. Denali's sisters spoke to the media and said they were devastated that she could be involved in something like this. Denali is the third child of five girls. Her older sisters, Rebecca and Branna, said that all of the children had been removed from the care of their mother at different points, and the abuse reached a tipping point when the man living with their mother at the time killed their two-month-old baby sister, Gabrielle. Denali was adopted in her early childhood, but both her sisters said the trauma may have lingered and potentially might have been the cause of several issues in adulthood. We all had really hard lives, and I feel like she took the wrong road with the wrong people who didn't care about her, and now she's paying the ultimate cost, said Brenner. The pending hearing and trials have all been delayed and postponed several times for various reasons. 56 gigabytes of material and over 100,000 pages of evidence and cell phone data was handed over in court, which is a huge amount to dissect and go through. This, coupled with lockdowns due to the pandemic, has pushed the trial dates back, and in January 2020, it was announced it would be some time before the dates were set. Timothy Hoffman said he would be in court at every opportunity, adding, Nothing really disappoints me. I am prepared for a long journey. I've been waiting for a long time, and I'm ready. It's going to be a bunch of rounds from now until October but I won't miss one. But I have to hold back my emotions to show no emotions, to support my family. At this time, I do not care about his. I'm out for one thing and one thing only, and that's justice. And that's to make them rot in jail where all them people could send them to hell. I'm going for the full 99 years. And I ain't gonna stop coming until everybody hears my cry. It won't be an emotional one. It'll be one that the court of the good Lord will be on my side. And it's already nationwide. And I'm sure there's a lot of people on my side. In that case, the judge has to hear it. They all ought to stay in these courts, put the age aside, and give them what they rightly deserve. They planned all this. A few of them even came to my house to come into my house as friends for my daughter and to do what they did to her. I am backing off of this. I've told everybody together, 
or then myself. I work 12 hours a day to keep it out of my mind, but it never leaves it. When they made the statement about the first-degree murders and all them other ones, I wanted to stand up and tell the judge that was my daughter. But this case is about child pornography, and so until I have the right to stand up and say something, I'll keep my calm. I read on Channel 11 that they ought to let Mr. Hoffman be put in a room for 30 minutes with him. And that'd been nice. But I'll still go with my faith, not revenge. I'll let justice do his job. Back in the day, I would have probably flew down there and brought him up myself. Willingly or unwillingly. Nowadays, I'm a parent. I'm responsible. I'm all about my children, and it's all about family. And that's the only thing I stand up for. It was a shocking and sick case in every imaginable way. Murder, sexual assault, catfishing, manipulation, greed, and the ultimate betrayal in the most devastating way. We're here to just show support to the family, let them know that, that we care. We're not happy with what's happened, uh, that, that this young life has been taken from us. This is a life that should have been protected. If we help one kid or one parent to ask a kid what you're doing, where you're going, who you're with, let me look at your phone. If we help one kid, that's we've accomplished everything. The town of Anchorage is pissed off at what's happening. All I know is no parent ought to bury a child. What she would have felt that day. And right now I just feel anger, sadness. We happened to be born on the exact same day. So we shared a lot of birthdays, a lot of great birthdays together. Not a year is going to pass where my birthday cake isn't going to have Cynthia's name on it. For all we can do is keep her in our hearts and memories and think of all the good things we've had with her. I'm glad we found everybody that was involved. So now she can rest in peace. I love you, Cynthia. Cynthia Hoffman was a determined young woman, someone who had faced challenges and adversity and had pushed through all of it, determined to always give her all and make her family proud. Her life came to an end in a terrifying way at the hands of someone she trusted and would never have doubted. 